Well, good morning. I'm Rob. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just been such a privilege to, uh, just to see this service come together. I want to say a special thanks to, to Kevin and the team, um, to all of those who've made organized and music, to those who have been cooking all week and probably all night long in order to make food available to you for sale uh, after the service. Just an enormous thank you to the missions committee from our church for whom this was kind of their vision uh, for a service. Just an incredible thank you from the bottom of our hearts for pulling this together. Someone has been asking me all day if this is a hockey jersey. I said, no, it's a football, Canadian football jersey. I tried... I tried to convince Vishal that this was the uh, Sri Lankan cricket jersey, um, but Vishal has seen me play cricket, and he knows that there would be no chance that there, anybody would ever let me uh, try to be a part of a team. Um, you know, when we talk about our church, we use the phrase that we are a, a beautiful community, and by that we mean that we are a community that's very diverse. And our diversity began a number of years ago as our church, way back when it was Main Street Baptist, uh, decided to have an outreach to a community, uh, a different community of socioeconomic backgrounds. And our church started to become a little bit more diverse. It then grew as our church started an outreach to the increasing number of Chinese students at UMBSJ. And you'll recognize uh, this picture here. And uh, where's George? The youngster in that photo, um, who just, he and Lydia. And that, that started to change the, the complexion and the makeup of our church. And um, then we had some faithful servants who, as um, they noticed the number of university students coming to UMB, uh, looking for drives to church, organized um, through an incredible number of text messages starting early on Saturday morning, all through Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, late into Saturday night, and early into Sunday morning, arranging drives for about 30-plus students, most of them international, to get here on Sunday morning, and an incredible amount of work every week. Um, but it's allowed us to have what we have here today, which is an, a growing, increasing, beautiful community for which we give thanks to God, because it's what He is doing. You know, this morning we have folks from 29 different countries represented here. We have 26 on the slide, but I've had three people with great pride tell me that their country was not on here. So I'm adding some without being able to write on them. Hong Kong, there was a family of three from Eritrea here at the first service, and Zambia as well. And so if you're here today and you're, uh, yeah, if your country's not on the slide, raise your hand. And we want to we change that, so please let us know. I don't think the South Shore of New Brunswick counts, but we'll... Uh... <laughs> so today, if you're here from Africa, would you just kind of raise your hands and wave at us if Africa's your home? Yes? <laughs> you're here from the Middle East? Raise your hand. Uh, Central or South America or the Caribbean? Raise your hands. Uh, East Asia, which includes India and surrounding countries, raise your hand. So Asia, China. <laughs> uh, Europe. Any folks here from representing Europe today? John from Latvia. 
And any Canadians or Americans here this morning? <laughs> oh, great. Look, um, you know, this has been so fun because if you could think if you're from St. John 20 years ago, um, if we had announced that in 20 years we're going to have a service with over folks from over 29 countries represented in our congregation, what might have your response been? A good laugh? But God has been changing the nature of our city, and it's been great. And we're just so proud that our church reflects our community, and we have the chance to become family together. But actually, it's so much bigger than that. This is really about the heart of the gospel, about what God wants to do among his people. And so let me explain. The early parts of the book of Genesis tell the story about how human sin had kind of destroyed the original thing that God had made good. And humanity wanted to make a name for themselves. They didn't want to live under the Lord's name. They wanted to make their own name. And so they started a construction project to kind of reach the heavens to do their own thing. And the Lord confused their languages and kind of separated them in doing so. Yet God's vision from there on in after Genesis chapter 12 and on was to bring his people back together again. To bring back together his family with him as Lord and we as his children. We see an example in Isaiah chapter 2, this beautiful vision that the prophet gave of a day when God would bring his people back together and it reads this way. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above all the hills and established as the highest mountains and the nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law or the scriptures will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between nations and settle their disputes. Think of this. He'll beat their swords into farming tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the Lord's vision, that people would come together under him and discover what it means to be part of his big family. God does not see a Chinese group over here and an Indian group over here. When he pictures his heaven, he pictures us all together as one family. Then in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, 15 different people groups hear the gospel in their own language. As people have the ability to speak in languages that they never heard in school, the people who had been scattered the curse of Babel gets broken and people start to come together as a family. And finally, in the book of Revelation, there's this vision, the vision of Isaiah, recast for a new day, that God is going to lift up his holy hill and the nations will stream to it, not to be separated when they get there, but to be together in one family. This is the vision that Scripture paints. Cultures and nations coming together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ to worship Him and to bring their strengths and uniqueness to the table. This is the vision. In the, book of, in the New Testament uh, book, we see again and again the challenge of the local church to make that happen and figure out what it looks like. Because implementing that vision became a challenge. Old racial divisions 
ethnic tensions, class struggles that people had before they came to Christ did not immediately vanish when they became Christ, when they became Christians. These old ways of thinking about other people got brought into the church. And in some cases, they were even institutionalized. And that's the theme that comes up again and again in Paul's letters, trying to help these people figure out how can we all come from such different backgrounds and be a family? So some helpful instructions are found in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm not sure what you think about when you think about Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus, I want you to think of um, downtown New York City. Ephesus was a multicultural urban hub in the ancient world. The fourth largest city in the Roman Empire with 51,000 residents. It was a coastal city that had incredible engineering feats. It was a spiritual center with major temples to different gods and Roman rulers. And people gathered together there from around the world. It also had one of the largest shopping districts in the ancient world. You could buy anything there. And there was a church there as well. Priscilla and Aquila had originally planted that church. John the Baptist would later go on to be one of their pastors. And they had the Apostle Paul there for three years. And they were trying to figure out what does it look like for us to be a family when we come from such different backgrounds. There was joys and there was challenges. Rich people get their way in the, out in the rest of culture. Do they get their way in the church? Roman culture was the dominant kind of norms in society. Will they be the dominant norms here in the church? This group does not eat pork, and they know that, but they, even though they know they can, they still prefer not to. This group now feels free to eat pork, and they eat it for every meal, and they brag about it. This group likes electric guitars and smoke machines, and this group likes hymns and stay and quiet. How are we all going to ever get along? Well, we find our answer in Ephesians chapter 2 when Paul is teaching them what it's like to be a family. And notice he does not go to some get-to-know-you games in a game of Twister. He calls them to what unites them, which is greater than their language barriers, greater than their cultural barriers, and greater than their traditions, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. This shared experience of being welcomed into God's family on the basis of faith. A call to live a life of humility and surrender and service, to wash each other's feet, to show love and forgiveness to each other. This gets unpacked in Paul's teachings on what it means to be a family. He spends the first 10 verses in, in chapter 2 reminding his listeners about the gospel. He sets it up beautifully for them, saying that, in, you know, when we first came to Christ, there was a wall that divided us. Broken, sinful people on this side, a wall, and then a holy God. And Jesus, full of love and mercy, comes to us, and he tears down that wall, and he makes it possible for broken, sinful people and a holy God to be a family together. Christ comes and tears down the wall that had divided us, and now we can be a family. And Paul says, because that's possible, it's possible for people with different backgrounds now to have that wall torn down as also so that we might become a family. This was huge. In Paul's day, you were segregated by your ethnic background, by how wealthy you were, by what family or cultural group you were connected with, your education or your gender. And Paul comes and says, it's not about any of that anymore. It's about faith and faith alone. 
anyone can come to God through faith. And they did. Picture slave and free sharing a hymn book. Rich and poor serving communion together. This is how the church worked together to figure out what it was like to be a family. Realizing that the foot of the cross, the ground is level for everyone. And Paul wants to have this image of tearing down walls in our minds because this is how we are going to be able to become family together is to remember first and foremost that it is our faith in Jesus Christ that unites us and that is greater than anything that might separate us. If God could tear down the spiritual wall separating sinful people, he could certainly tear down the wall between different groups. And this, we get to see it again and again throughout our world. Um, this picture on the screen here, this is a group of Lebanese Baptists serving Syrian refugees. Um, if you know the history of the Middle East, uh, over many years, Lebanon and Syria were at war with one another, and it was very, very difficult. And uh, after the Syrian refugee crisis broke out, thousands of Syrians flooded into Lebanon, and the Christian church in Lebanon had to wrestle with, what are we going to do about this? We've been at war with these people. And they decided to open their homes, put a towel over their arms, and become servants. Because of the power of the cross, they were able to love people whom they had been told, you can't love these people. They are the enemy. Because of God's ultimate vision is to see us all come together under his lordship. Our cultures, our traditions, our upbringing, our worship style preferences, our dress code preferences are important. And they can remain important to us. But what unites us in Christ, in our unity in Christ, overshadows all of these things. Let me just put some verses on the screen here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 14 to 18. This is in a different translation, but I just want to kind of walk through these quickly for us. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace or to become family. And that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to the outsiders and to the insiders. Notice that both needed peace. He treated us as equals and so made us equals, which is to say it was not now a Jewish church that was so nice that it let a few Gentiles in. No, it was one church, equal. Just in the same way, this is not a Canadian church with, that's nice enough to let people come here from other cultures. No, this is Christ's church and all who call themselves Christians are welcome here and this is your family. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's, and imagine Paul saying this and, and this being read, and he's pointing to them. Now it's you. Now it's you. You together, all of us from different backgrounds together, are being fit together brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ as the cornerstone that holds us all together. You know, there's a richness that comes from our diversity, an incredible richness. And over the years, I've witnessed a number of things. Let me just mention two things that I have appreciated and learned so much from uh, folks who've come here from other countries and brought their uh, traditions and experiences. And the first is prayer. You might say grace before lunch, and you might say a little quick prayer before you go to bed at night, but I'm talking about prayer at a whole other level. As I've met folks from other countries, their prayer humbles me and makes me ask the question, why don't I pray this way? Having weekly prayer meetings in your home on Friday night for 40 or 50 of your closest friends 
every Friday night, no matter how long your week was. <laughs> every Saturday morning, setting aside time to say, you know what? We're going to just bring our family together and we're going to pray all morning for all kinds of different needs and people around us. Bringing people together to give thanks to God for a new vehicle, a new house, a new job, wanting everybody to know this is God's gift to me. And I want you to know how good God has been to me. This is one of the gifts that has made our church stronger. The other one that I have seen again and again that is so humbling is that the seeing that this church is your family. It's not just a place I go to every couple of weeks when I don't have something on. If you've grown up in a country where Christianity is a minority culture or a persecuted culture, and maybe even in some cases, and I know this is true for some members of this church, they've lost their biological family who have disowned them because of their faith in Jesus Christ, your church family comes to mean something to you in a whole new way. It means something to belong to each other to be literal brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, in a world that is struggling and trying to figure out how is it that we can get along, we have an opportunity to proclaim the power of the cross as the place that we gather together and find this kind of unity that everywhere else is struggling to find. Jesus is powerful enough to snatch us from the grip of death and plant us firmly in the soil of eternal life. Powerful enough to wipe away all of our sins, past, present, and future. Powerful enough to tear down the wall that separated us from our Creator. And powerful enough to bring together Pentecostal Latin Americans and Presbyterian Koreans and Chinese folks that come to us from a house church and megachurch Nigerians and some folks from the West Side. <laughs> all together in one church family under Christ. So this is not just a cool thing. This is what the Lord is wanting to do today. This is not about becoming more welcoming. This is about becoming family in a whole other way. This is not just about having some real cool food available for $5 cash immediately after the service that you can take home and enjoy and all the proceeds go to the El Salvador mission trip. This is about learning from each other and receiving the gift of faith that is so strong from other people so that our own faith can be strengthened. The mountain is being lifted up. The nations are streaming to it. Let's join in. Let's pray.